0: On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about dumpster fire relationships. Okay, so on this show, we often talk about communication tools and preventative measures of how to have the best possible relationships. But it is an unfortunate fact that sometimes relationships just need to end. There is... The problems are too big to be fixed. Uh, and we call these dumpster fire relationships because w- we spend too much time on the internet. So, in this episode. Well, because he we-
1: okay, well, because this is the way I think about it is that, like, Sometimes things catch on fire in your relationships And that sucks No one wants things to catch on fire And it causes damage and it causes a lot of smoke And like that sucks But if it's a small fire, you have some options You know, you have a fire extinguisher Hopefully you've invested the time to put in your relationship fire extinguisher Through communication skills and such things If it's a grease fire, you got a lid that you can put on it But if it's a dumpster fire As in the entire thing is on fire And there's no getting out of it Then it's, it's just time to walk away from the dumpster
2: so are time. we going to talk about if we had a smoke detector for these types of relationships? Mm,
1: that's smart. Uh, well, okay, well hang on though. No, I'm you know, no, I'm going to I want to take it I want to take it further. I want to take it further because uh, another right. important part of the metaphor is the fact that the dumpster's full of garbage. So oh. you've also let a bunch of garbage accumulate in your relationship which burns real well and releases all kinds of toxic fumes. So it's just like it's all bad.
0: <laughs> okay. So so in this episode, we split it up into two parts. The first part of this episode is some things to look for to identify if your relationship might be one that unfortunately should end. Um, and then in the second half, we're going to talk about if you determine that it is, some things that you can actually do about that. Because as simple as it might sound to say to someone, oh, you should just leave your relationship, uh, we all know that it's not actually that simple most of the time. And depending on your circumstances can be incredibly complicated. So we're going to get into all of that. But to start us out, uh, let's talk about what are some of these signs that you're in a dumpster fire relationship?
2: So, okay, we talked about this a little bit ago in our happy signs of a happy relationship. It was the science of happy relationships and the ratio of positive to negative interactions. And what was it? It was five positive interactions to every one negative interaction. So if
0: that ratio is, say, reversed, you got a little bit of a problem there. Well, and the important thing to point out here, because we've talked about this on the show as well, about the 80-20 ratio, that 80% of Mm -hmm. your interactions should be positive and 20% or less should be inducing stress and anxiety and be negative. Now, the thing is that a lot of people will end up in a situation where it's 50-50, It's uh, about like half the time I'm feeling really shitty in this relationship. And about half the time I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good. And that, that even that, that even half and half is not an acceptable amount. And that isn't. Well, wasn't it,
1: wasn't it that same study that found the, you know, the one to five ratio found that relationships that were bad or that were stressful or that were, Basically, on the road to ending, right. had that one to one ratio where it was yeah, 50%. Right. So it doesn't even need to tip into you know the other end where you're having more negative interactions than good. Like, even at the 50 50 mark, it means that things are not so great.
2: Totally.
0: Right. That those, yeah, that the ones that were the one to one were the ones that were going to end, that were destined to end, statistically speaking. Um, and it is up to you ultimately to decide what ratio you're comfortable with. But I think that a lot of people will think, oh, well, it's not very fair of me to want to end this if it's only half of the time. It's bad.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's the important takeaway from that piece of information is the fact that if it is 50-50, of course, chances are you probably still love this person that you're with or you still care about them. And of course, you're just, you really want things to be good. So when you get that 50% of the relationship that is good, that's what you're going to cling to. It's like, well, it's not always bad. Like sometimes this person does this and that. And then like last week we had this great date, you know, that of course your mind is going to cling to those things. But try, I guess, to just be really frank with yourself. If it means Mm -hmm. keeping a journal or even keeping a log of these things, that can really help to put it in perspective for you.
0: Yes. And seeking outside support can also help to evaluate that ratio as well. Because as Dedeker was saying, you'll kind of cling to these positive ones and it can be easy to to skew your own perception of what percentage of your time is stressful. Um, Another thing that I've talked about before is the idea that a lot of people will say things like, I'm not happy in this relationship, but I don't feel like I have a good enough reason to leave. Mm. And that... I encourage people to turn that question around and say that, well, what are your reasons for staying? Your, yeah. your default state as a human being is not in a relationship that you should have good reason to be in the relationships that you're in. And it's not just this default that, that you have to have a really good excuse to get out of.
2: I also think that some people can compartmentalize parts of their lives really easily but that if i have in the past been in a bad or or even rough patch of a relationship that it seeps into all areas of my life like Mm -hmm. and my work becomes more difficult i don't sleep as well Mm -hmm. my even just my headspace of where i'm at like my mental functioning capacity is sort of tainted because i'm in a difficult position in my Mm -hmm. life and it's like The cortisol or the, what is it? Yeah, the cortisol cortisol. or the the, just all the bad chemicals that are seeping into my body and brain at any given time seem to, like, kind of affect and uh, just make the rest of my life far worse than it would be otherwise. So I think that's a huge telling point at that point. Like, hey, I, I need something to change here. Like, the shoe has to drop on the other side to
0: some degree for me to get out of this. Right, So something that I want to talk about, though, on this one is that a lot of times, and this especially will come from other people if you're polyamorous, I think, but the idea mm-hmm. they say, well, what about commitment? What about being committed to something? And especially you know, when people are married or they're in a long-term relationship, there is that expectation that might be put on us by our friends or even by our partner, because then on the other extreme people yeah, can say to
2: death to us part right, to that, some degree that
0: people can say on the other side oh well what if it's ever not great for a while you're just going to leave that's not that's not commitment and that's not what we're talking about here and unfortunately there's not an easy you know quick fix of this is exactly when it's crossing this line and this is when it's not you do have to evaluate this for yourself but mm-hmm. I, I just want to stress that that this isn't saying don't have any commitments to anything because all of us in our relationships with each other as friends. And when we've been in relationships with each other, there are hard times where there is a higher percentage of stressful interactions, but it's when you look at the bigger picture and the bigger trends going on, does this actually feel temporary or is this starting to look like a systemic problem? And that's something yeah, that's that, that getting an outside perspective can be really helpful for. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, speaking of outside perspectives, um, you know, as you talk to people about your relationship, and you may not open up to everybody in your life about bad things going on in your relationship, or you may, depends on who you are. You might be a chewer, you might be a spewer, who knows. Um, But if you start to notice that your friends and your family and maybe your other partners, if you have multiple partners, Are either implicitly or explicitly saying, you know, kind of telling you, maybe it's time to not be in this relationship, or maybe this relationship isn't so good. That can be a clue. That one is sometimes hard to evaluate, because of course, everyone has everyone in your life has a different stake in what happens in your relationship. You know, some people truly do just want the best for you and your happiness. Some people may not like your partner for either mm-hmm. legitimate reasons or completely invalid reasons. Um, of course, keep in mind that everyone who gives their opinion on your relationship is not in your relationship. They can't make the decision for you. Um, but um, you know, let that dictate how much weight you give somebody's opinion about your relationship. However, if you start, if you, I guess if you start to notice a little bit of a united front yeah. <laughs> that multiple people are kind of saying, you know what, this doesn't sound so great, that can be another clue as well.
0: Yeah. yeah and again, this one really depends on how much you share and what kinds of things you share. Um, I would say this one is especially I, I would put more weight on this from people who actually spend time with you and your partner versus people that you just talk to on the phone for mm-hmm. example, you know you might talk to your brother or your sister or your long distance friend or something, and maybe the only times you talk to them is when something 's going badly. So they might have this skewed perception that your relationship's always bad when you might not think that it is. However, if you have friends that you hang out with together and they go, you know, when you're with them, you just don't seem relaxed, you seem tense, or, you know, you don't seem happy, or I don't feel like they're respectful to you when you're together, whatever it is, those are the things that I would say to take a little more seriously. Again, you have to make your own decisions because they're not in your relationship, but those are the ones that I would seriously consider and look at that for yourself.
2: Um, Another section are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, (laughs) Um, it's
1: kind of like four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Um, But specifically, we've talked about this before and um, it's four things that kind of are, are very, very bad if they're happening again and again in your relationship. And those four things are stonewalling um, contempt defensiveness or blaming and criticism. So I guess we can go through each of those yeah, really quickly. These
1: were these were found by the Gottman Institute, which is an institute that studies relationships. They mostly study married couples and monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've, you know, they've done so many studies where they've just recorded hours and hours and hours and hours of different couples interacting and talking through mm-hmm. things, both positive interactions and negative interactions, and they found that with couples who displayed one or multiple of these particularly four behaviors. Um, and if, it, if they displayed it a lot, especially, that meant that the relationship was going to break up within a year. Yeah. Um, and they've been able to predict that with like 90% accuracy, something crazy like that. I think it's even higher than 90% accuracy. Um, yeah. So the behavior stonewalling, as in giving somebody the silent treatment, um or refusing to talk about something whatsoever mm-hmm. basically just shutting down shutting your partner out contempt can cover a wide range of behaviors it can be things like name calling like rolling your eyes like making fun of your yeah. partner um defensiveness or blaming um it's kind of like two different sides of the same coin where it's either you never take responsibility for anything you know your partner brings up something that makes them uncomfortable and you get always very defensive um the flip side of that could be blaming, that if you blame everything on your partner, blame everything on your circumstances, blame everything on something else and never take any personal responsibility for your actions or emotions, things like that. And criticism, and criticism is a tough one because there is such a thing as constructive criticism. You know, <laughs> you can you can constructively critique somebody who is close to you, but in this case it's talking more about, you know, you're always picking out little things about your partner that you don't like or things that they're not doing correctly, or You know, criticizing the way they dress or criticizing the Mm -hmm. way they speak, just like little, it can be a lot of tiny things that basically, you know, tear your partner down rather than build them up. Um, So, you know, to be honest, all of us have had moments of being shitty human beings, even in the best relationships, you know, you'll know, you find that if you actually sit down and take a hard look at yourself, that you're probably guilty of, of all four of these, quite possibly, um, yeah, at some point times. in a relationship. Again, to come back to what we were saying, it's when these things become systemic that you're finding that your partner always goes into blaming or defensive mode during a fight or always goes into stonewalling mode, that that's when things are really going to become you know not sustainable.
0: Yeah, and and maybe always is too strong a word, but Mm -hmm. just a majority of the time.
1: Frequently, yeah, frequently, always is, yeah.
2: Well, when it's a pattern in any Mm -hmm. way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it
2: doesn't seem to be something that they're working to change. Mm -hmm. That's a big issue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this is something to, to go along with the subject of weathering, you know, better times and worse times is I think this also depends on the length of time of your relationship will sort mm-hmm. of change the scale at which you look at these right. things. For example, if I've been in a relationship with someone for a month and they're giving me the silent treatment or you know I'm finding that yeah. most of my interactions with them are not good, most likely I'm just going to get out of that relationship pretty quickly if that's gone on for like a week out of that month. <laughs> okay, I'm out. Sure. Right? And I think most people would do the same. However, it's trickier if you've been in a relationship for four years or 15 years or 30 years, right? That now th- the question is what's my threshold? Is a year mm-hmm. of not feeling great too much? Uh, you know, is three months of this without any indication of change too much? It really just depends. And that is something that you do have to evaluate. Um, and it helps to get yeah. some outside perspectives on it. Again, I just keep coming back to that one.
1: Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that later.
2: Um. So what's the last one?
0: All right. It's
2: gonna be um, if your boundaries are unenforceable or different concessions creep in. Basically, if um something occurs that just keeps I don't know getting what exactly like a boundary that occurs just keeps I guess getting stonewalled or getting broken or
0: something. Well, this one, this one is a good segue into the second half of this, which mm-hmm. is we talk a lot about boundaries on this show and the difference between yeah. your personal boundaries and in trying to set rules on a relationship or rules on another person. Um, and that it's even different from your relationship agreements, which are also a slightly different thing. The thing about boundaries is that these are boundaries are meant to be your hard lines for yourself and it's not something you enforce upon somebody else it's saying i'm not willing to be in a situation where x is happening right where where i feel unsafe or maybe where this particular thing occurs something like that right would be a boundary the trick with boundaries that people tend to forget is it's one thing to say i have a boundary about something and another to actually have a boundary because a boundary Mm -hmm. is not a negotiable thing a boundary is something that you would let people know about beforehand. But if that happens, you're the one who has to make the change. You are the one Mm -hmm. who has to leave that relationship or leave that situation. You're the one
1: who has to take the action, right?
0: Exactly. This isn't something that you're telling someone else they can or can't do. Yeah. And this is in this situation. If your boundaries are being crossed, that does lead to where you need to end the relationship. Um, and, concession creep just to explain that quickly we've talked about it before but it's where maybe you're not super clear on where your boundaries actually are and in a discussion with your partner you don't want something and they do or vice versa and you say well okay i mean i guess i'll i'll concede on that a little bit Mm -hmm. just so we can be happy in our relationship right now and then another thing might happen and slowly over time this creep of concessions just one concession after another till you end up finding that you're way past a boundary that you didn't realize that you had because you haven't, because maybe it's a situation you had never thought would come up, or maybe you just haven't given thought to what your boundaries are.
2: And that can breed a lot of resentment.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to pop in and give a more concrete example for Mm -hmm, people to better understand the whole concession creep thing is it could be something like, maybe you've decided you have a boundary around, um, you know, that you uh of not like canceling dates last minute, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like like that if a partner asks you to cancel a date with someone else last minute and it's not an emergency reason, that that's a boundary for, for you, you know. Yeah. It's, it's one of my boundaries, honestly. So I'll just mm-hmm. use myself as an example. Yeah, That Make I have personal. a boundary that, yeah, that unless it's an emergency, I'm not going to cancel a date on somebody at somebody else's request, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the way that concession creep happens is if I have a partner who comes to me and is like, Hey, like, I know that you won't don't want to cancel this date, but like, you know, I'm having a really hard time and I really want to do this thing with you. Are you okay to like to reschedule? Um, and if I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. It's getting kind of down to the wire, but okay, I'll reschedule, you know. And then maybe this happens again. I have a date, and then my partner comes to me again and is like, "Oh well, I'm having a really hard time. Like, and if you care for me, then you're going to cancel this date so that we can yeah. work on ourselves." And and I'm drawing from real life experiences here, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, and like, not just my own, I'm, just not just my familiar. own experiences, but I think from other people's experiences as well. Yeah. Um, I think people often get put in the situation of like. Oh, well, like you're going to go out on a date while I'm upset and you need to be here taking care of me. You know, you should you should be caring for me. You should be a good partner. And so you're like, okay, fine, like I'll cancel this date. And so slowly, like your boundary has basically been walked all over um, Mm -hmm. and maybe without you even realizing it that now. If a week later, the same thing happens again, it's going to be a lot harder and a lot more destructive for you to finally enforce that boundary and finally be like, no, actually I have a boundary about this. I'm going to go on this date, That that's going to be a lot more destructive than if you just enforced it the first time that somebody somebody got close to it. That's just one example. The whole concession creep thing can happen in many different circumstances, many different types of relationships. But if you're finding that that's something that happens a lot, if you find yourself in a situation where it's like, wow, like the things that I thought that I was honoring for myself and for what it is that I want, I'm not able to anymore, that's a bad sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And there are times where, because again, a boundary has to be something that you can enforce yourself and there can be situations. And the example that I came up with earlier was say you own a house with somebody else and you have a boundary that no, no partners besides the two of you are going to move into that house Well, you don't totally have control over that because they also own that house with you. Mm -hmm. And this is an example of one where the boundary gets tricky to enforce because unlike Dedeker where she can choose whether or not to cancel this date with somebody. If it does get to that situation, how do you enforce that boundary? Is it leaving? Well, that's tough because you own this house together with this person. Is it trying to take legal action to get that person out do you know what i mean that it gets so much more complicated to enforce that boundary and once you get to that point this can be really tricky which does lead us into the second half of our discussion here for a long time now we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories things like that it's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection
1: Okay, you guys, so real hard talk here that if you recognize some of these things happening in your relationship, um, easiest thing to do is to leave. (laughs) Just don't. Like, just stop. Like... That's the simplest one is just to leave. It's just, but just easier do it. that, said than
2: done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I say that, but then for those of us who've actually been in relationships, we understand that leaving is not that simple. So mm-hmm. we came up with a list of strategies and things that you can try to help make that process of leaving a little bit better. And keep in mind that this is also when you've evaluated that it's time to end, not when it's oh, this is something to try to save the relationship. This is something to try to to make things better. This is something to try to get my partner to communicate better. Like This is when you're at the stage of like, okay, no, I'm done. This has to stop. I got to go. Here's what you can do.
0: And I want to make a quick point about that with boundaries is that the idea that a boundary is saying, well, I won't be in a relationship where X happens sounds Mm -hmm. a lot like a threat or like a manipulation, or at least that it can and so, again, the purpose of boundaries is not to have some threat over your partner to try to get them to change. It really does need to be something that you're doing to protect yourself and to keep yourself mm-hmm. living the life that you're okay with living. Um, so, again, in this situation, all of these are not to strong arm someone into changing for your sake. But when yeah, you do not emotional ma- manipulation. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's about you getting yourself safe and happy and free of a bad relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what we have on our list here first, and this one isn't always possible, but often is. And I think is actually somewhat socially acceptable uh, Mm -hmm. because it's such a common thing. And that's taking a break. I know it sounds almost cliche to say it. Oh, we're taking a break. (sighs) Uh, But what this is, is that it's an opportunity to have the space to really evaluate these things. Um, And the purpose of taking a break, again, is not just to fix the relationship. Sometimes it may. Sometimes that break may help you realize that actually you don't want to leave this relationship. But assuming that it does, what this break does is gives you an opportunity to seek out the support that you need and start putting some of these other steps in place. And as Dedeker was pointing out earlier, it gives you an opportunity to try on the decision about breaking up. This Mm. was from a piece of advice that my mom gave me long, long ago about making difficult decisions. Her advice was to try just making a decision, just picking one of your options, not doing anything about it yet, but picking it in your mind, saying, yep, I've decided this is the thing I'm going to do. And then evaluating how you feel about it. Is this, you know, once as soon as you make that decision, do you say, oh, shit, no, I want to go back and change it? Or is mm-hmm. it uncomfortable, but maybe does feel a little bit relieved? I've often heard people say, when I ask the question, when you imagine right now, if you were not in this relationship anymore, how do you feel? And oftentimes the answer is relieved. That's uh, one mm-hmm. I've gotten surprisingly often to that. Uh, yeah, Emily, did you have something about that one?
2: Yeah, I just will say like, some space in particular is really nice to have even if you're not necessarily like at the point where you want to give up a relationship or maybe things aren't that bad but they're they've been challenging for a while and you really feel like you need some space like uh, i just recently took a nice trip away from my live-in partner And it was really comforting to, like, have some emotional and physical space away from this person just simply because it gave me some perspective. Because you do get kind of entrenched in, like, the day-to-day minutia of everything. And just being like, fuck, like, I keep getting pissed off about X or Y or Z. And, you know, to give yourself space from that, if nothing else, is incredibly helpful. So I urge people to know that they are autonomous and to remain that way and to give each other space from time to time, because I think in a lot of ways it can help shit like this when it gets really bad. Um, yeah. And then kind of allow people to, to sort of step back and and see the bigger picture.
0: This also gives you a good opportunity to start doing step number two. And I want to be clear. These steps don't necessarily have to go in order. Um, sure. We just gave them numbers. Uh, so step number two is to get support from people who care about you. Um, now, what I want to clarify with this is we've talked before about getting outside support, um, which you know, means getting someone impartial. But right now I'm talking about support from the people who are just 100% on your side, right? Your friends, your, your family, your chosen family, whoever this is. Get support from those people and find out what your options are when it does come time to actually leave. Because a lot of times, especially if you're living with this person, if you have finances with this person, if you share property, if you have children with this person, or even pets... There's a lot of logistics that go on that can keep you in a relationship because you just don't want to have to deal with these things and you don't think you have any options. And this Mm -hmm. is a really good time to get that support and see who's there for you. And oftentimes they will offer these things without you even having to ask when you express that these are your concerns.
1: Mm -hmm. And that segues into the next one, which is to come up with an actual escape plan. I know that sounds dramatic, But coming up with a plan as in like, okay, so when I finally end the relationship, where am I going to sleep that night? How long am I going to be away? You know, who am I going to call first, essentially? Um, Having that plan in place and making that plan when you are calm and when you're not in the middle of a knockdown drag out relationship dissolving argument with somebody. Um, is a really helpful thing, and again, you know, when you are reaching out to people for support, that is a good time to evaluate. Like, okay, who, who do I feel comfortable um, essentially crashing on their couch last minute if I have to? You <laughs> yeah. know, um, because even just having that, because if you're in the middle of an argument and it's finally gotten so bad that like you're just ready to leave, you're ready to go it removes that burden of like, not only do I have to deal with this drama of ending this relationship and this explosion that I'm handling, but now I need to step outside and try to figure out, well, heck, where the heck do I go now? Mm -hmm. Um, And often that can be, you know, if you don't have that in place, that can be the thing that gets you to become more complacent and be like, well, it's shitty, but I don't have anywhere to go. (laughs) And I don't have have anyone to turn to. Exactly. You know, so do, if you know that the end of this relationship is, quickly approaching on the horizon, do that work ahead of time um, to be able to have a plan in place and a place to go so that at the very least you know that you have that and that'll make it easier for you when you are breaking up with this person to kind of stick to your guns and essentially not be talked out of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also helpful to have a plan so that you have a sense of of the idea that your life could go on without this. I think especially mm-hmm. if people have been in a very, very long-term relationship and they do live together and have tied finances. And especially if they're the partner who has less financial power than the other one, it can be very hard to leave because you feel like, oh, I'm going to lose everything. There's no way I can live without these things that I've now become dependent upon. And by coming up with this plan and talking to the people who support you and talking to your friends and reaching out to your networks and all of that can help to show you... Yes, I may not have all the things I have right now, but I do have other options. And that while I might not have some of the luxuries I have at the moment, I'll be able to be happier and I'll have that freedom. And again, having had time to try on this decision, I can see how relieved I would feel or, you know, more true to myself I would feel or whatever it is. Mm -mm. All right. Next one I hinted at earlier, and this is getting outside support from someone who is not involved in the situation, who doesn't have specific biases or loyalties to you or your partner or to both of you. Um, Often the best place for this is getting professional help is looking Mm -hmm. to a therapist or a counselor or a coach or somebody who doesn't know the people involved someone that you can share stuff with and get an objective opinion about it obviously coaches and therapists and everyone come with their own biases as well and you just have to do your best to pick someone who's good for this for you um but even if you end up totally disagreeing with the things that they say it can be really helpful to get clarity and get some outside reactions and uh, and then see your own reactions to what they say to you um Mm -hmm. and uh There are options, too, if you really, truly cannot afford somebody. And a lot of coaches and counselors and social workers do offer discounted rates for people who don't make a lot of money and things like that. But even if you can't, trying to find somebody, maybe someone in your local poly group or someone even online that you've met like through the Multi-Emory Patreon group, if you reach out to them, finding somebody who's willing to spend some time talking with you about all of this who's not involved at all who doesn't mm-hmm. even know the parties involved can be extremely helpful mm-hmm.
1: and i just wanted to clarify that there there is a difference between going to a counselor or a therapist and a coach and it's your attempt at saving the relationship mm-hmm. versus when it's going to a counselor or a therapist or a coach and it's you getting help for yourself to make a decision about it mm-hmm. um it's very different and I would encourage people that when they are reaching out for this kind of outside support to be clear about that, because speaking from the perspective of being a coach, um, we're used to people coming to us being like, save my relationship. (laughs) You know, I'm coming to you because it's it's I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. Please help save my relationship when and it takes a couple sessions before figuring out like, oh, actually, this isn't a relationship that needs to be saved. This is you needing the support and courage to be able to walk away from it. So if you can eliminate that up front by being clear with the person that you're reaching out to that like, this is what's going on and I need to make a decision about whether I stay or leave versus this is what's going on, please save it and fix it. It can make a big difference in the kind of help that you get.
2: So at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to communicate to your partner. Um, you're sad to leave them. But that they have to respect your own boundaries. Um, You can express a lot of gratitude. But ultimately, at the end of the day, just get the fuck out of there. If you have to. And sometimes, I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, sometimes there are really bad relationships. And it's detrimental to you to stay in them. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you have the wherewithal and you have the resources and you have people helping you and on your side, then get out of there
0: something that I've found is is helpful is to let myself accept the fact that being sad about the relationship ending is okay that I can Mm -hmm. still make this decision and be really sad about it and that just because I'm sad doesn't mean I'm making a mistake and just because it's hard doesn't mean that I'm making a mistake yeah Um, but then ultimately you do just have to say what you need to say and then get out
1: yeah yeah. That's, that's a good one. That's a very valuable one of knowing that it's okay to be sad, but it doesn't mean that that you need to keep doing something that keeps making you unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think an important realization for me was like that I I don't have to be responsible for this person's personal growth. Like yeah. I can still you know, I can still be supportive of this person going on their journey and figuring out what they're going to figure out and learning whatever lessons they're going to learn, but I don't have to be a part of that. And that's okay. Because I think that, I think that what I've experienced in breakups a lot, and I actually was reading an article where I think they did studies about this, that women are more likely to feel guilty after breakups than men are, that women are more likely to feel guilty, like that they abandoned somebody or that, you know, they didn't give somebody enough chances or something like that. Um, and so I think for me, it was being able to let go of that, of, like, me walking away and taking care of myself doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be me being the cold-hearted bitch who doesn't care about somebody's feelings, you know? It's interesting for I feel
0: I felt guilty what? after every breakup that I've initiated. <laughs> <laughs> Even if, yeah. looking back, I know it was the right decision, I, I still, thinking back, have some guilt associated with it.
2: Well, you're a very gentle soul and yeah. you have a lot of feminine energy.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Jeez.
1: <laughs> okay, so to try to end this on a little bit of a positive note, um, and I can say this again just from my own experience of somebody who has unfortunately had some like really bad relationships in recent times and have fortunately successfully escaped them. Um, it's, and I know that in your head, there's all this conflicting information of like, yeah, this sucks and I'm really not happy, but, but I'm in love with this person and this person loves me and it could get better. Um, you know, you may be thinking about commitment. I don't want to abandon this commitment. I don't want to be a bad person. Um, you know, all these things may be going through your head, but I can attest that it's worth it, basically. <laughs> It's worth it to get out of a relationship that's draining your energy and that's ruining your quality of life. Um, I know, of course, like if you're in a situation where, for instance, you're co-parenting and you have kids, of course, you're going to have to still have that person in your life. But it is 100% worth it to take for you to take care of yourself emotionally and mentally to not be in an intimate relationship with this person it's always worth it and and you will survive and you won't die (laughs) Mm -hmm. basically and if anything you'll probably be a much stronger and much happier person for it afterwards
0: because when we look at it in perspective you've probably most likely statistically speaking have a lot more life ahead of you and going through a little discomfort now for the rest of that to be more positive is definitely a worthwhile Mm -hmm. trade-off Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. all right thank you so much everybody if you have a question or a comment that you would like to be played on the show when we do one of our call-in shows you can call the number six seven eight m-u-l-t-i zero five you can also send us a voice message on facebook to the multi-amory facebook page if you have other concerns that you don't want on the show, you can email us at info at or you can send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and to join our private Facebook community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jay Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio, except for this one was edited by me. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did from Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP.